something that I like. It's, you know, so many of these veterans passed so long ago, you know, so this, if you say their name, it may be the first time their name's been said in a hundred years. Yeah. And I think that's really important too. It personalizes history. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not just about old people in, you know, it's wars and, it, you know, it, it, you, you get a connection with a person. If they're a real person, they lived a real life, they died in battle or they came home or whatever happened. And it makes you connect with that person. I mean, like, everybody here, they got their guy. Or they, you know, they have that, you have that connection. And you're never going to lose that. And that's, if you can instill that in your kids, that's going to go a really long way. I think part of what makes this project so special, too, is apart from the personalized aspect, is the aspect of they're doing something that will matter outside of the context of their class. Like, it's not just, oh, this is going to prepare me for the test at the end of the year. Like, yeah. this is something that's going to last with them forever. It's something that they did. It's real-world experience. It's real-world application. I love the rubbings. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was, that was so, I, that felt so personal. They, they were touching them in a respectful way, and it was like a reveal, like, you know, you knew what the words looked like, but when you, when you were rubbing them out, they meant something so much more that came to life. To take us um, back to the, the ledger art and the, to talk a little bit more specifically about the second um, station on Native Americans, you know, for me, five years ago, this part of the field trip would not have been possible. And that is all really because of one person in this room who has dedicated herself to ma making it possible <laughs> for the descendants to know where their family members are, for people that go to the Castillo to know who is buried here and why and where they are. And it's going to allow, starting this year really, for generations of Florida's children who are in fourth grade learning Florida history and learning Native American history to really understand that in a way that previously wouldn't have been possible. And, and so this is... Immediately after the Meta Field Trip, last week's episode, the K-12 teachers and UCF VLP team returned to St. Francis Barracks to discuss the overall experience. At the zenith of the Institute's pedagogical and emotional significance, this roundtable discussion was remarkably reflective, insightful, and cathartic for several reasons. First, the roundtable discussion format established a fluid and open dialogue between the K-12 teachers and the UCF VLP team that the Institute had not seen previously. Without this unique feature that allowed a transparent exchange of ideas, thoughts, and emotions between the two groups, the discussion would have quickly turned into another workshop-style lecture that would have undercut any meaningful reflections to be expressed. Second, the K-12 teachers' perspicacious remarks on how indispensable the meta field trip was for them and could be for their students, demonstrated the success and mastery of UCS VLP's time-tested pedagogical model in teaching veterans history. Lastly, the emotions released during this 45-minute discussion showcased the profound investment made by these educators to memorialize veterans in and out of the classroom. 
As with the previous episode, this is a poignant reminder that academia is as much heart as it is mind. The opening sound bites you just heard preview these incredible characteristics of the roundtable discussion with great clarity. This will be the last you'll hear from me in this episode, as Dr. Amelia Lyons led the discussion. I was solely responsible for setting up the audio equipment and ensuring the audio levels were manageable given the different conditions, such as four mics for 20 plus people. Since there was no outsider interference, me, in the discussion, this further increased the permeability of information exchanged between the two groups, as if it were family members of a house reflecting on an exclusively in-house experience, thus ultimately adding another unique layer to an already powerfully complex roundtable discussion. Do you still have that tissue box from last week? From the UCF Department of History and UCS Veterans Legacy Program, I'm Sebastian Garcia, and this is Episode 7 of the 2023 UCF BOP Institute Podcast Series. That felt so personal. Like you see stuff in photos, but when you actually see it in person, it's, I think it's, not that the photos aren't interesting, but I think it's more interesting to see things in person, to touch it, to feel it, just the weight of it. I love the rubbings. That was, that was so, that felt so personal. Mm -hmm. They they were touching them in a respectful way, and it was like a reveal, like, you know, you knew what the words looked like, but when you, when you were rubbing them out, they meant something so much more. Like they came to life, Kind of that emotional, like, because you've been with this person all week, and then, mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like, not a culmination, but kind of sort of like you bringing, like, oh, okay, this person doing something. Because my person, he didn't have a wife, so he didn't have, he didn't get to have a family. So it was like kind of a personal moment for me. And then I think also for students, if they actually spent time researching them, like we were talking about at the cemetery or doing something similar to that, that would be a perfect way to kind of like end it, to kind of like give them that personal touch to the veteran that they had so that they could have something to take back with Yeah, I think when I was doing the rubbing, like when I first saw his headstone at the beginning of the week, it was just a name and information. Mm-hmm. But now that I've researched, like you said, it was a reveal. So each line, I knew what I was waiting for, like mm-hmm. making sure that I got the full line because I now knew what each piece of the information meant. So I thought it was really neat to add that meaning after spending time with him all week. And then I made sure also that I got the back of it so I always remember if I need to go back where I can find it. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to give the kids too. It's for those who didn't have somebody, a wife, 
to bury with them, they have a marker so that you can always find them. I enjoy the ledger art just with younger kids. It lends itself to art and they love drawing and um, things like that. But I feel like it, instead of just draw a picture, there's some meaning behind it and it can go really well in any lesson. Favorite thing from anybody who hasn't yet? I'll jump in really quick. So kind of going back to what you guys are saying about the headstones being so personal, it was really cool for me to have like, gone through and helped pre-research and like have seen you guys go through the trials to figure out who the person is and how to research. You guys having that moment with your veteran was actually really touching for me to watch mm -hmm. because you guys were all so emotionally involved and you, I could tell that you guys were like, oh my God, this is my guy. Like I finally am here with them. Mm -hmm. And that was really cool. Like, and I imagine you would have a similar feeling with your students um, if you were to take them here and help them get set up and then watching them have that moment. That was really cool. I'm going to piggyback off of that for a second because when we were here last week, it was like, okay, so let me find this person, you know, and today, at least for me, it was like a different excitement. Okay, let, let me go find him. Let me go, you know, spend some time because I, I, I know more about his life because of the work that we've been doing. So I think that that excitement was definitely there. And I think with our students, if we kind of like preload some of this information they can also build that excitement as well, and it would be more meaningful before they even step, set foot in the cemetery. Something I noticed with you, uh, with you guys, when you're out there doing the rubbings, you may not have been aware, but many of you were sitting on the ground in a in a very close, intimate way with the headstone. The only other people I've ever seen do that are family members and comrades that knew them in life and we're with them in, you know, as they pass. So for a lot of these guys, like you mentioned, yours didn't have a, a wife or anything like that. Maybe no one's ever sat with them before. And you guys sat with them today you know, in a physical way that loved ones do. So that, that really struck me of looking around seeing that. I, I hadn't seen that in a way before, and that was, that was beautiful to me. You know, I, I joke, VOP, we make you cry. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I have an added to that. Jim Stoddard, you make me cry. <laughs> Sorry, now your name's on there. Uh, now I'm done. Yeah, you're the star of the night cast anyway. I think it was really cool, too, when we did the coins, because Anne was able to call her friend to verify the pronunciation of my vet's name. So that way I would at least interpret and say it correctly when putting the penny down because I never knew you said their names when you put it down. So that was a cool interaction as well. So thank you, Anne. I won't say your last name. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed that part as well. And I was just saying to myself that if I had a penny in my pocket, mm -hmm. I would put my penny so down on the top of his grave. So when you said that, that was like perfect for me. So. And I want That's a nice touch. Was it you that did the rubbing of the penny? And I went back and did the rubbing of the penny that was left on top of my headstone by somebody. I'm not sure who. And I thought that was really cool because it also brings in another aspect of veterans, you know. The thing that I like, and I, I, I think that if we had more pennies and more time, I think it would been, it's, you know, so many of these veterans passed so long ago, you know, so this, if you say their name, it may be the first time their name's been said in a hundred years. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important too. Yeah, but I should think, what, what did this person look like? What did they, mm -hmm. what did they feel like? What emotions did they have 
because a lot of these are African Americans who haven't, who weren't really thought of as a person, but they went to fight for a country that really didn't believe for, believe in them. So it's kind of like, when what do you get from that? You wish that you know you hope that they're watching and they know the respect that we offer to them. When we came um, in March with the fourth graders, when I did the ledger art part, I actually had a sign in front of the grave with the 10 who died in Florida. And just having the fourth graders come up and choose one of the Native American names on the sign and say their name and put it, uh, put the coin on top of the grave, you know, again, it's, it's giving them back their names in a way and, and, you know, giving them back their humanity in a way. Can I just say one thing? I have, you have to understand, I'm always coming up with some master scheme. <laughs> you? Really? No. Never. Okay, so my master scheme about St. Augustine, I want every fourth grader in this state who comes here to go there. So maybe I've been listening to guys thinking to myself, how about every fourth grader has to get to know one veteran and saying, and it'll be a penny for a veteran project. And you've yes. got to put the penny on it. And you've got to know one veteran here. You like it? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. You could have them bring two pennies and have one on the headstone and one to donate to a veteran's organization. Yes. yes, they would donate. I'm sure some kids are going to but I'm just saying that I just think I am furious, which I do tend to be about veterans' issues, <laughs> uh, that every fourth grader just comes to here and hurls around and learns about pirates and, okay, pirates weren't good people, but anyway, <laughs> and don't see and experience this place. But I teach students and I think this is important because we deal, a lot of the second semester is about the World War One, World War Two and Vietnam and they can get into the, the wars that and talking about this is what helped me bring more out in my lessons with the veteran aspect that I glazed over it but now I feel like I have more meaningful information to bring to my students so, right so I think this would be awesome for because that's since is that government and government had a lot to do with veterans in our military so it's another aspect of it that I feel that they miss that they could really get into because now this is something that they can get their hands on personal and be a yeah. part yeah. yes mm -hmm. and you can weave it through as a theme for the whole course that is touched on a little bit at each point and it would be really great if k through three could spend at least one unit every year kind of to preface the fourth grade florida study and um so when they come here, it's not, oh, this is an old place that was in the past, but that, I don't know if the correct term would be living history, but there's still history living amongst us, mm -hmm. that it's not such a distant idea. Dr. Gannon, what did you call that project again? I like that. Um, a penny, penny for a vet. Penny for a vet. Okay. And the yeah. idea is that <laughs> it would be in the curriculum that every fourth grader would have to get to know one vet. And I mean, that would mean that, you know, for example, you would have one vet, a lot of different kids might have, but the idea is that they would come here and it would be part of it to say their name and maybe their bio and put a penny. 
But, I mean, I know that sounds, at least maybe not, I would like every kid, because I do not understand how you have this beautiful landscape of both the equality of veterans, but also all of the issues, the difficult issues of American history that you can explain, but also talk about the people who try to make things better, mm -hmm. and who later in their life came home or didn't, and try to approve things, whether, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, to me, the cemetery, and, and why I love this project is, the cemetery is American history of all sorts. <coughs> now, in some cases, there's not as many women as we'd like, but, you know, when you see a veteran, you want to see a woman, because there's women mourning and behind that person. Mm -hmm. And you just, it isn't a male landscape. Really, the people who came here and grieved me. So I'm just saying that I just I'm furious that I, whenever I hear the ding ding, okay, the ding ding, and then they don't come here to actually see it. I go more twitching. Whoever knows me, I start twitching. I want to solve it. We do have a seed though, Bud, because they're adding Lincolnville to a stop and yes. Bud is on the case. Oh, yeah. Bud. We so, do love Bud. And he's a veteran of which war do we know? So he served in the Air Force in Berlin in the Cold War. Wow. Wow. Doesn't that mean you need a lesson? But I thought today when we got there and yesterday when we were, I think it was yesterday, when we walked by the lady that was actually taking care of, I thought that said something too, that there are people out there volunteering their time to still care about the matter. So that was another aspect. It wasn't necessarily anything that you guys set out, but that there are people who are taking care. You see so many, on, on the news you hear about all these cemeteries that are being dug up or yeah. being, they're asking for funds to be, then there are a lot of veterans or there you know, um, African-American old cemeteries or other marginalized group cemeteries that people didn't really take care of. And you see people out there doing that. So I think that's pretty cool. That's another aspect that maybe not necessarily from the institute, but it was just cool. Maybe we could talk a little bit about each one of our stations, right? We can start with our first station, African American World War One vets, and you know what you learn, what you will take away, how, and, and you might adapt it because, right, all of these are not necessarily meant for the same age groups. Mm -hmm. We're trying to give you a little kind of sense of how it can be done. So, what are your you know, impressions and your takeaways for the African-American World War One veteran station that you were participating in or leading. I know it's more on like the positive side, but the parade of them coming home, mm -hmm. that picture just like opened my eyes. Like they were all dressed in their Sunday best and they were ready. And it just made me very happy to see a positive side of it. I like the visuals as well, and um, also too for the you know for the primary grades, um, front loading the vocabulary and even using those pictures as an interactive notebook. You know, once they get back, they can write like a short summary of what occurred. I like One thing I took from that, Dr. Gannon said about the the jobs that African Americans were provided, not provided, but had to do the engineering, the support. All that stuff is very, very important because if you know anything about a conflict, without that support, you can't go forward. 
And the Marine Corps is love service, I'm sure. We have a saying that amateurs plan operations, but professionals talk logistics. And without those logistics provided by the African-Americans, Patton can get his tanks to Italy before Rommel did. You know, so a lot of things that go into that, and we, we want to look at it as a negative, but it wasn't, it really wasn't a negative. It had to be done. It had to be done, and we did. And I think, you know, it's when you talk to students about African-Americans in non-combat roles, it did not mean they were out of harm's way. Yeah. Right? That artillery has, is long range, and, and trench lines move, and, you know, African-American World War One soldiers, we, we have one of our, I don't remember which veteran now, but we have one from 2017, and we found an account from one of his comrades where they had not been issued weapons. They were digging a trench, and the Germans came over the top, and so they had to take the weapons off the Germans in order to be able to use them against the Germans, mm-hmm. and, right, uh, and... I can't remember the name, but it was basically fired the contest. We were telling you that if we don't know information about your particular veteran, we found an interview with someone who was in that same unit who told told what happened. So because he had survived to be over 100, his obituary was in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And we found the obituary for someone in the same unit, right? It was the 807 Pioneer. Yeah. So, right, like, you know, that comes back to how diligent you have to be about finding the source. But that source was amazing because it allowed us to have a first-hand account of something that otherwise we would not have known, you know. We talked about how cemeteries can make people almost invisible Mm -hmm. and along the lines of, like, African Americans. Our group talked about how we could have kids research them, again, kind of that investment piece before they come, and then they're connected and we're able to point out, you know, most of the headstones look very similar. Everyone kind of blends in here, but once you know those stories, yeah. I might do like, I like doing like DBQs with kids. I found that I've been able to do them from ELL to gifted kids, um, like ELLs, like just coming in the country, the having that picture is going to be a great connection for them. And then, you know, just adding a little bit of history around it. It doesn't even have to be, you know, it can just be a very short paragraph and give them some questions. And I, I found that that's very beneficial and the kids really get involved and they want to do that type of activity. Okay. What's DBQ mean? document these questions. It's the barcode thing on your phone. It'll send you to a link somewhere. I'll show you how to do it. So you can like, at least I'm elementary, so like usually there's like some kind of a background essay type thing, and then usually there's different pictures that sometimes it's just even a caption maybe on it, or you know, like I said, maybe a small paragraph or whatever, and it ha- there's an overall theme that a, a question like um, we did one on 9/11. It was like you know how do we remember 9/11, and you know it just had the background essay and then different pictures for each, you know. 
well, different like, documents. Sorry, to be a picture. Yeah. No, 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 no. It, it doesn't have like the background essay right, is right. just it's an essay, and then but for elementary, and it could be different for we we're, we can only see with OCPS, we can only see the elementary one. So most of them have some sort of like the other ones do have like a story with some sort of a visual for for the kids. And like I said, I had kids that were had literally just entered the country and they just were blown away. They absolutely loved, they found a connection to it. And I just, I feel it's a, a very beneficial thing. Well, you need an essay. We have on, uh, for forgotten context, we have, for example, the story of the 92nd and the 93rd division and pioneer infantry units. We also have, you know, World War One, how America got into World War One, African American life in 1916. And they're not very long. They may be a good background. I, when we wrote them, we tried to keep them very accessible. I can't say for sure if they're accessible enough for you, but they might be. And we also have a series of videos. Many the videos is awesome. You've got to see yeah. our African American World War One video. And we have a whole we have a whole series of how the U.S. gets into the war and then the main battles that the Americans are in. And so it, that is one in the series. Yeah. Yes. So I'm thinking, like, how can I apply this to not just my classroom, but my school? But how cool would it be if the entire school got together and throughout the year, um, each child had a veteran? You know, you can give them a printout, you know, and find all this stuff. But for, you know, every month, you know, there might be a different uh, holiday or something. But you can focus on that for each month and then have, you know, put put them on the walls throughout the school and then by the time you get to memorial day you have an entire school of faces and um you know have the kids either draw or something along those lines and just and that's a great way to make it real and you can go down the hallway and say oh that's william carrington you know a little bit like the vietnam project the mm -hmm. vietnam memorial project to make to get a photograph there's a, a website they're collecting the photographs of, and trying to get everyone who's on the wall wow. right and you know lots of them are there now and they're they're working to get a photograph of everybody that's on the wall but i think those student drawings would be really great um you know especially since we don't have a lot of you know photos that are confirmed of like specific african-american mm -hmm. veterans as an example um and i know you probably want to talk about the ledger art um, you could yes move oh, us sorry. on to the yeah, yeah, no, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no you're good that's perfect we Great. just want to make sure we get to um, the different all right topics. Lucy yeah. if you want to look in the binder really fast we actually have an example of fourth grade uh, ledger art that was drawn huh. um, so we can actually pass that around so you guys can see just this the ledger art I think is you know we it was it's really nice to do it on the bags but you know we don't have a lot of time to and they can finish it at home but it's so impactful that you know then they go out of their way to draw more, mm -hmm. and I think that is yeah. incredibly important. And yeah, this is done by Mark, right? Yeah, so, yeah. But it's a way to give kids another outlet to see, hey, maybe the military is for me. Like, mm -hmm. we know everybody's not gonna go to college. You can see that in some of these kids early on that that's just not their path in life. So giving them another option this early, like in fourth grade, so that they can see, well, you know, this might be something they can research about, and then that could be something that they want to get involved in. Or maybe just get involved in history, researching history. That's another thing in itself that kids are like, oh, history is like, oh, it's boring. But no, it's really not. Once you get into it, it, you get, it gets personal. It gets 
once you get into the individual lives, it becomes very <coughs> real. Because I always thought history was boring until I started actually focusing on people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is where it's at. <laughs> this is where history is. is in individual people's lives. Well, that's where with social-emotional learning and empathy, there's a whole connection beyond the knowledge of getting the facts of what happened in a bio, but connecting <coughs> in that way. And, and then kids can attach themselves to that with experiences Kids go through a lot. There are some who have people overseas right now. They're, you know, just they can connect in different ways, even though it might be a vast time period difference. Something that Erica in our school does is is we have one whole wall where there is just pictures of veterans. And we've got great-grandparents, great-uncles, moms, dads, aunts, uncles. And there, there has to be at least 200 pictures. And, you know, when... When the kids are walking down the hall, they'll be like, oh, I know who that is. That's so-and-so. Or they'll say that when I first started there in December, I had a few of my students say, oh, that's my grandfather or something like that. So, And that's up year-round so that, that there's a, it's just a huge display. And, and it's amazing to see that they're making these connections, not just learning about it in the classroom. To take us um, back to the ledger art and uh, to talk a little bit more specifically about the the second um, station on Native Americans you know for me five years ago this part of the field trip would not have been possible and that is all really because of one person in this room who has dedicated herself to making it possible (laughs) for the descendants to know where their family members are, for people that go to the Castillo to know who is buried here and why and where they are. And it's going to allow, starting this year really, for generations of Florida's children who are in fourth grade learning Florida history and learning Native American history to really understand that in a way that previously wouldn't have been possible. And, and so this is right. You are at, at the cutting edge of this. Didn't mean for that to stop conversation. <laughs> <laughs> What's beautiful about that is that it teaches kids the impact of one person can make. Because some kids think, oh, I can't. I don't make a difference. My voice doesn't matter. And it does. I think part of what makes this project so special, too, is apart from the personalized aspect, is the aspect of they're doing something that will matter outside of the context of their class. Like, it's not just, oh, this is going to prepare me for the test at the end of the year. Like, this is something that's going to last with them forever. It's something that they did. It's real world experience. It's real world application. Not even that, it just gives them another experience of learning about another culture or another, a different aspect of another group of people's plight in life. Like, sometimes we can get in our own box, you know, I'm, I'm from Florida, I'm living in Orlando, and everything is this way, and you see all of this happened here, and I, some of the stuff that I've, I've heard this week, I've like, I never... Like, you, you hear things that you know, but you never think about it until, like, somebody says something and it's like, 
oh, I didn't never thought of like how that would be. And just seeing and hearing some hearing your passion when you talk about things, that makes me excited. I think it puts us in the veteran shoes and we've really thought about it. I think about the ledger art where what were those Native Americans feeling when they were drawing it, the like complete loss of home and how they remember it. You know, now we use cameras. But back then, this is how they documented their history. And, you know, as I'm looking at my veteran, he had, when he passed away, he had a one-year-old. And I even wondered, did he get to meet his son? You know, and so little things like that are just, um, it breaks your heart. You know, it really breaks your heart. This is the hard part of history. And hopefully we've learned from it. But it personalizes history. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not just about old people and, you know, wars and, dead, you know, it, it, you, you get a connection with a person. If they're a real person, they lived a real life, they died in battle or they came home or whatever happened. And it makes you connect with that person. I mean, like, everybody here, they got their guy. Or they, you know, they have that, you have that connection. And you're never going to lose that. And that's, if you can instill that in your kids, that's going to go a really long way. One of the things I took away from this is the going back and seeing how America has evolved. It's almost like the kids, when they do the research, it's a different America. Yes. Mm -hmm. They get to see that and how we move forward to where we are now. It's, it's very uh, eye-opening for them, I'm sure. Because, yeah, when you're researching, you start to have other <coughs> questions that come up. Like, my veteran's father was an ice puller. I said, what was an ice puller? So I started researching about that. Mm -hmm. And you start to learn about that whole time period. So it's not just one person, their story. Mm -hmm. You learn the history that maybe was boring to you when you were in school, but now you're immersed in it, and you're, you're reaching after the questions that you want to find out to fill in those gaps. It's teaching kids another way to look at it. Instead of just sitting there reading a book full of, oh, it's a whole bunch of dates about dead people. There's a aspect to it. There's a story behind the story type of deal. And, and really, you know, historians, what do we tell our students? We start with questions. Every historian starts a project wanting to answer questions, right? Might be a big question, but those little questions come as part of it. And so being able to have your students come with questions, right, and remind them, this is what historians do. They have questions that they want to find the answers to. We started a little bit by talking about the, the final two sessions, but I do want to have a few minutes um, in the, you know, about 15 minutes we have left to talk about both of those and then to talk a little bit about how you might implement this in a field trip, either in the classroom or a virtual version from, or in the cemetery or in the classroom. So for the, the, the la those other two sessions, the rendering remembrance, which is the headstone rubbings, or the handling history, where you got to touch things, what about those do you think would be useful in terms of the teaching side of it, right? It's definitely the most fun to touch things. <laughs> but what about the learning that you think is going on there? I know when they were talking about like the dates and stuff, that it just depends on what or how they made the headstones at that time period. So to have that discussion, if you are able to come here and actually do it, like, why does hers have a date and mine doesn't? So that the different time periods and stuff like that, so they can maybe make a timeline of what happened when, 
things like that. Mm, yes. The evolution of the Head Start itself. Yeah. And any time that students can get hands-on, just makes the learning so much more impactful for them. Yeah. I think when you were touching the uniforms and everything like that, if I were to tell my students, oh, the uniforms are really hot and really heavy, okay, what does that mean, you know? And so not only are they in this war, but they're dealing with super heavy helmets, hot helmets, like I could barely touch it, and like all these little aspects that bring like the horribleness of war to a reality. So I think being able to touch them, like when I found out I could touch the uniforms, I was like, ooh, you know, and that's really cool. And seeing the gas mask and learning about that. So just hands-on is always best. That could be another aspect too. You could have kids or teachers at your school say, hey, at the end of the year, we're doing this and we want to kind of have, maybe create our own living history museum. We have any veterans or any memorabilia from anything like that that they could bring. Maybe they can't touch everything, but some stuff they can. Like some parents may have recently gotten out of the military and they may have a, a newer uniform that they wouldn't mind them, you know, the kids touching or seeing just so they, it's, even though it's recent history, it's still a part of military history. I think too, also some, I, I know that we had, uh, and, and our research team, we had started to prep some, some artifacts that were more based on like the home front. And I think that also that would be a really good opportunity to also share the impact at home as well. Like I have original copies of ration books that we were going to scan and make copies of. We didn't get around to it, so take time. Um, but you know, showing kids the impact of like, oh, this can, you know, giving them like a scanned copy of, you know, of a ration book and then teaching them how it works and like, see, this would affect you. It's not just the people abroad who are fighting. It's also you at home who's affected as well. That would be a great thing to add in to a stop like that, is to bring a few, you know, even just printouts of posters for, right, the kind of... The tin collection and... Yeah, all of those kinds of things, right? The or victory gardens. And that's and a big benchmark yeah, in 11th grade is the home front. What were women doing? What were African Americans doing? And you could bring that in from the home front. You wouldn't need them to be originals because those are easy to print out. This does have big collections of them. That's I think, too, the personal connection because I was like, oh, my mom has my grandpa's uniform, mm -hmm. the one that was hanging up the army one. And so, like, if they have anybody at home that has that, maybe they can't bring it in, but at least they can make that personal tie to that as well. And we found for a couple of our teachers, there are museums out there, military museums, veterans groups that have like lending libraries. Like they have, I think it's for art, they have like a trunk that, they'll, that you can check sure. out as a teacher. You can check it out, have it in your classroom, bring it back, and they have all different wars and all sorts of things. Um, so yeah, there's other resources for that too if you don't want to have your, your involvement of the parents, but you can do that too. Yeah. Reaching out to the BMW or whatever, I think that would be another thing. I know some of y'all were talking about adopting a vet or something like that, they have stuff. Even when you go into their leaving posts and whatnot, they have flags and memorabilia all over just their building. So think of the stuff that they have at home or that they've kept that could be. And then teachers themselves, like there's five of our teachers that at my school that are vets. So they're, during the day, they get, for Veterans Day, they get like, 
treated like kings and queens, kind of like it's like their day. The kids, the kids, the different classes, you know, do different things for them because they're our school's best. <laughs> I did for you. But that too, um, many uh, veterans organizations are willing to come in as individuals and do a, almost a live oral history. Last year, within uh, your ROTC, we came in and did a uh, presentation with a Vietnam veteran where I got to interview him and kind of do a, a live action oral history where the students got to ask him, uh, ask him questions and get to hear from firsthand experience what it was to serve in his life before, during, and after service. So it's not always about the artifacts that they leave behind, but there are, like you said, with your teachers that are veteran, there are many of us still alive today that are more than happy to come in and, and talk to your kids. And are mostly additions approved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever your county's you know, required um, system is for that. Yeah. Are there any things that you think you could adapt to your classroom that we did today for bringing the National Cemetery to the classroom and, and not just going to the cemetery? The first two we did, I think that's easily adaptable. You could literally run through the slides, show what they showed us on the boards, and do the same information, and still have the kids have a veteran <coughs> or person, or maybe you can have them talk about a different aspect of military life or whatever, and have it connect that way. I think that's easily done in a classroom. Even if they can't come here, they can create their own headstone for them based on the information that they've gathered. And I don't think some kids would want to do that for like a grandparent or a parent or somebody in their family that died. They would want to, maybe that would be a way that they could connect with the family that they lost. That's showing them something else. I know a lot of this is for, it seems for older kids and I'm, I teach, uh, I'll be teaching second grade this year, but I think a lot of this can still be transitioned to that level where they're still uh, even coming here to, to listen to the speakers or do the rubbings, but then bring it back into the classroom and, and you know, maybe invite their parents and after we've done that and then have them share what they've learned so that they're, they're passing that information on to someone else. So I think that that would be something that would be good for our kids. Yeah, we, I think we hope that with the postcards, when we give them the postcards, that it's a way for this, the students who've been in, on the field trip that they can go home and they can reenact the field trip with their parents or their siblings. Yeah, somebody mentioned that we should have send something with the postcards that, like, this is what we did at the field trip. Because some kids, you know, what did I do at school? Nothing. But, <laughs> but they, they, they would give this to their parents, and it would be like a rundown of what they did that day at the cemetery. I don't want to stop the conversation, but it's, a, you know, we're, we're at full, about 40 minutes of our session so if anybody else wants to contribute in any way or or even just talk about what we did at the very beginning and the very end i do like to flag what you were saying about the idea about the ceremony to like start it off with i think even giving the kids something to that would be another way they could 
do a, a simple research about each armed services flag mm-hmm. and you know what the actual symbols on the flag actually mean because they mean something and you know when it's their birthday whose birthday is it today sergeant major army you know just that kind of thing you know that could connect the kids to you know oh that's you know my uncle he's a you know he's a marine or my aunt she's in the air force or you know my grandfather he was in the navy so it's that kind of connection that's another way to where it's not so heavy for the younger grades that's something that the younger K three could do Songs, the service songs. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. For all the band teachers out there. Mm-hmm. I like that. I think the talk at the beginning about just being respectful and etiquette is important because there are probably a lot of kids who either have never been to a cemetery or they associate cemeteries with ghosts. I mean, yeah. we're in St. Augustine and there are ghost tours everywhere. So, really helping them to understand that this is not a ghost tour, this is, you know, it's history. and we need to be respectful, and I think that would be a really good thing to to help some of them adjust to maybe either being you know uneasy or, or new to coming into a cemetery. I think would be a huge part of a field trip. And it bookends for when you do the rubbing, so that way they feel more comfortable when they're doing it. And the way the cemetery looks, like it's uniform, and why is it uniform? And, 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 and you could do a lot of history through that the color blindness of the, the tombstones. When we were in Tallahassee, when Billy Maddox got his headstone after 78 years, but he's in a community cemetery, not in a national cemetery, and we arrived that morning for the event and, you know, parking for the AMVETS service before my nine-year-old said, why, are they, why aren't they all the same? And I said, what do you mean? What is not the same? Why aren't they all the same? Mm-hmm. And I realized that my nine-year-old has been in a lot of national cemeteries, <laughs> but had never been in a community cemetery before, and he didn't understand why all the headstones weren't uniform. And that took me a minute. Right. But how, right, a community cemetery and a national cemetery, what, in what ways they're the same, and that well, the like community cemetery... Well, like a grid system and how to find stuff, and, you know, that's... Yeah. It is a math lesson. It is a math lesson. And why they're they're different, and why there are there are military headstones in community cemeteries as well as in national cemeteries. All right. Thank you for participating in this. You rock. On the next episode of the 2023 UCF VOP Institute podcast series. It puts a face to it, I guess. And kids can say like, oh, my uncle, my grandpa, my mom, my dad, somebody that they know was in the military. Oh, this kind of reflects on them. Maybe they weren't in the older wars, obviously, but it's a way for them to see, oh, history is not so far from me. It's close enough to where they feel attached to it and I think the closer kids feel attached to history then it makes it that much more powerful to them or they can connect to it easier then it's not like oh that's a boring subject oh it's so hard because it's just numbers and dates and dead people but I think it's a way that brings it in and even like as a teacher as a history teacher 
we have so many like um, of these type of institutes that teach us more about how to teach but not as how like to develop your history we should be learning history and especially things that we don't talk about military history just as much as we're learning these institutes of how to teach we don't really get those type of knowledgeable institutes like this at teaching you how to do oral history or history like or the, how they all go together yeah, too right. and how you can interweave everything together mm -hmm. because I just think like I don't I mean I'm sure your district's the same way but in Orange County where I teach it's like you know fourth grade is St. Augustine you know fifth grade's American Revolution mm -hmm. sixth grade's world history seventh is civics you know then American history so it's so like broken up that this is kind of a way to put some of those things together because a lot of times you find the next year the kids are like wow we didn't learn that last year and it's like yes you did because I taught it to you <laughs> you know but so I think that but showing them the connections I think mm -hmm. that's a better way because history leads to something and like I tell my kids day one in any class that I teach you will continue to repeat history until you understand it and that's the good parts and the bad parts This episode was directed, produced, written, edited by me, Sebastian Garcia, hosted by Dr. Amelia Lyons, and featured the UCF VLP team and the 2023 UCF VLP K-12 Teachers Cohort. Executive producers are me, Sebastian Garcia, and Dr. Amelia Lyons. The 2023 UCF VLP Institute podcast series is brought to you by UCF's Department of History and UCF's Veterans Legacy Program, a partnership with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs National Cemetery Administration.